you can sing I worship you this morning let's get our eyes focused on him this morning let's worship him this morning that's what it's all about today I know we're here today to worship him and it's Mother's Day and we're honoring them but let's get all our eyes on him this morning because he's worthy of that this morning let's do the first verse all together now when I look into your holiness when I gaze into your loveliness when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. When I found the joy of reaching your heart, when my will becomes enthroned in your love, when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you. turn around and fellowship one with another welcome our visitors let them know how glad we are Thank you. 
the first now. Through God be the glory. seated let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering and as they do so let's have all of our mothers to stand and let's give all of our mothers a good hand today would you do so all of our mothers please stand happy mother's day we appreciate all of our mothers we want to recognize just a couple of mothers of course we want to recognize our oldest mother here today do we have any mothers that are over 90. Do we have any mothers that are over 90 today? Any across the building? Any mothers over 90? That will admit it. Any mothers over 90? Help me. Do you see anybody? Their hand up. How about any mothers between 85 and 90? Any mothers between 85 and 90? Stick your hand up. Miss O'Neill back there. Any others? Any others? Miss O'Neill, happy Mother's Day. Let's give Miss O'Neill a good hand. And we have a flower up here for you to take home today just to say we love you. Do we have any mothers that have six or more children here today? Any mothers with six or more children? Anyone? In the back there. And you have children with you today. Let's give her a good hand. We praise the Lord. That's... That's great. And we have a flower for you, too, to show our love and appreciation. Again, to all of our mothers, yes. Okay. Do we have any that has maybe six children here today or five children, whatever there? Fine. We'll, we'll give her the flower anyway. That is fine. We're appreciative of all of our mothers this morning. Amen? Can we get an amen for all the mothers? Let's give, and you pray about your giving today. And let me remind you, next Sunday is a special day here. It's our chest of Joe Ash offering, and we're receiving a special offering next year for the additional work, the addition in the back of the building, and uh, adding on to the building and everything. So next Sunday morning, I hope that you've been praying about a special offering and uh, what you're going to give. And I'm excited about what is going on, all the work that's going to be done, all the, uh, the drive-through out here on the side and, and the enlargement of the building in the back and all that. And they'll be getting started here in just a few days, a couple of weeks on that. But next Sunday, 
we receive a special offering for that. And uh, if you've never been here for our Chess of Joash offering, you know, that is a very, very special day. I, I don't know of any other demonstration of giving that's any, any greater than uh, the way we receive the offering that day. You don't want to miss it. That's next Sunday morning. Let me just mention a couple of things I want you to be praying for. Juanita Warnick, they had to take her back to Huntsville Hospital. Remember Juanita. Also, Tilly Fletcher, she is at East Ridge Hospital. She had a big baby boy this week, but Tilly's had some complications, and she is at East Ridge. Maybe she'll get to come home today, but let's remember her. And also, LeBron Brown, this is Terry Jeffries. Uh, Susan Dames' brother-in-law passed away, and his funeral will be tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Heritage Funeral Home on Highway 2A. So remember these. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for our mothers, and we ask you, Lord, to make this a special day for them. I pray you bless the time that they have with their family, with their children. Make it a very, very special day. <clears throat> Lord, I ask you that your goodness would be poured out upon them in a wonderful way. Open our hearts now to all that you have for us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
It is a joy to have the Wisnets with us. They have become a part, a traditional part of our Mother's Day, and we are certainly glad to have them back, and uh, you don't want to miss tonight. They'll be singing for us and give them plenty of time tonight, but uh, let's welcome the Wisnets back with us today. It's a joy to have them.
Lord in your streaming. Little Austin, who will be 16 in January, for change is changing. Brought me out the sweetest little teddy bear and purple flowers and walked through the, the hall of us saying, Happy Mother's Day. Contagious, touching heart this morning. A lot of you know Jim and I have to be married and finally lost a little baby that we carry almost five months. I started thinking about that little baby this morning who's in heaven. Knowing all about the Father's love this morning. Yes. Yes. Sure, he's saying happy Father's Day to you. Some of you here this morning. Being a mom is not always easy. Sometimes the home is really lost, and I say sometimes just don't know how in the world I'm going to make it. But you know what? I know that God's grace is sufficient. And I know that God's grace said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of you are here this morning, and maybe the heaven is just about to fall apart. Maybe these kids are going astray. Maybe you're a mom here that's been waiting for your husband to arrive home after years. And you're sitting there, you just don't know how God's going to deal with your family. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm telling you this. I don't know your situation this morning. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on with you. But we serve a big God this morning. Yes, we do. That's what we serve a big God. And I don't know what your situation is. God's word is true. Jeremiah 32 27 says, Behold, I'm the Lord thy God of all flesh. And if there is anything that's too hard for me, we just have to trust him. I feel like somebody needs this simple little song this morning.
Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, said unto her Fear not, go and do Go, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, Neither did the crews of all fell according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's think today about this woman that can teach us or that teaches us God can supply your need. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, our hearts have already been blessed to be here, and you've already reminded us of your ability. And you've already reminded us, Lord, of the kind of God that you are and that you are a God that can meet every need in our life. Now, Lord, I know that in this gathering today there are many needs. And, Lord, I know that this morning that you are aware of those needs. And furthermore, I know that you are able to meet those needs. Here is a story, Lord, you've given us in the Word of God that teaches us that you can supply our needs. So we look to you today praying for your power, praying for your presence, asking you now to anoint the giving of your word and the sharing of your word and use it in the heart of everyone that is gathered here. Speak to every heart from the youngest to the oldest, for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. At the very beginning, let me say two things. First of all, every one of us need to be a learner. Every one of us need to be taught. Every one of us need to learn. Second of all, women can be a great teacher. Can I get an amen from the women? You don't sound very confident in that, amen? But women can be a great teacher. And I know not all men uh, think that way. Some men are like one fellow that I heard about that never listened to anyone, especially his wife. And one day she got frustrated and she looked at him and she said, you never listen to anybody. And he kind of snored him back and said, especially you. And she said, how would you like it? That was, the, that was the last straw. And she said, how would you like it if you didn't see me for a few days? He said, that would be fine. Well, about the third day he was able to see just a little bit out of the left eye. Amen? <laughs> Some of you catch that in a little while. I know some of us are slow about learning. <laughs> but women can be a great teacher. In fact, when you read the Bible, you cannot escape the large place that women have in the Word of God. You cannot, also, you cannot escape the important role that women have in the Bible. You'll find in the Word of God there are many women that give us wonderful lessons and teach us many wonderful things. And for that reason, for a few weeks, I want us to look at some of the women in the Bible, and I want us to learn from them. And the first one that I want us to notice this morning is a woman that teaches us that God can supply all our need. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Paul was telling us that God can supply our needs. Now I realize this morning as we gather here that there are no doubt many needs in this service. 
There may be for some of you, the need is a financial one. There may be a financial need in some of your lives. For others, there may be a marital need. For others, there may be a physical need. For somebody, it may be an emotional need. And it even may be a spiritual need. But regardless of what your need is, I want you to understand this. God can supply your need. Paul tells us that he's able to supply our need because he has the resources to supply our need. He said, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. When I think about the riches of God's riches that God has in glory, I am mindful this morning that there is no human way to calculate the wealth of God. There is no human way to put a figure upon the wealth of God or estimate his riches in glory. You are familiar with Forbes magazine, how every year it comes out with a list of the world's richest people. And for the past several years, Bill Gates, the Microsoft giant, has, all, has headed that list. I think about back in 1995, there was an article that came out in the Chattanooga Times about the list in Forbes. And it was speaking about Mr. Gates and his wealth. And at that time, he was worth somewhere around $12.9 billion. That's in 1995. I think I read recently his wealth is somewhere around $17 to $19 billion. But in 1995, he was worth about $12.9 billion. And in order to help us to appreciate that amount of money, they calculated Gates' wealth based on a 40-hour work week. And his wealth translated to $923,076,292.31 per week. His wealth translated to $2,307,692.31 per hour. His wealth translated to $38,461.54 per minute. His wealth translated to $534.19 with every beat of his heart. Now, I must be honest with you this morning. That kind of wealth is hard for me to imagine. It's difficult for me to imagine $12.9 billion and being worth that much. Yet, you can't estimate that wealth. They just did. You can calculate that and you can give a figure to it. But I want you to understand something about God's wealth. You cannot calculate the wealth of God. And you cannot put a figure upon God's wealth. In other words, He has the resources to meet every need in your life. I think about the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness there. And someone estimated that in order for God to provide for the Jews in the wilderness, he would have had to send in 1,500 tons of food every day. He would have had to send in 4,000 tons, of, of tons of wood for cooking every day. And it would have required God to send in over 11 million gallons of water for drinking and washing every day. But I want you to understand, not one day in 40 did they ever lack or did they go without. Every day for 40 years, God met their needs. What I'm saying to you today is that God can meet your needs. And He can meet your needs because He has the resources to meet your needs. He has promised to meet your needs, and He can meet your needs. And nowhere is it better illustrated than in our story. Here is a woman, and she teaches us through the events that happen in her life that God can supply our need. Look at the story. Let me point out three things briefly this morning. The first thing that speaks to my heart in the story is that I am reminded that our needs can be perplexing. Our needs can be perplexing. You think about this woman. Now, there's very little that we know about this woman. We do not know who she was. We know very little, know, know nothing about her background. All that we know about her is simply that she was a widow woman. That's all that we know. But yet when we meet her in the story here, we find a woman that is discouraged. And we find a woman that is despairing of life because of the needs that exist in her life. This is a very discouraged woman as we will see. You look at her circumstances and you see how her needs were perplexing. But you look at her, her life, for example. You look, first of all, at the past adversity in her life. She's called simply a widow woman. Now, we don't know when and we don't know how, but somewhere her husband had died. We don't know the cause of his death, whether it was an accident or whether it was an illness. 
But somewhere, sometime, death had invaded her home and taken from her her husband and had left her to rear a boy on her own. She, like many of you in this room today, had experienced the pain and sorrow of giving up a loved one. No doubt there were many lonely nights when she cried herself to sleep because she was so lonely. And no doubt there were many dark days when her heart felt like it was going to break. This was a woman whose heart had been broken. She was a widow. Her husband had died. She had lost her companion. But not only does the story remind us of the past adversity in her life, but it also reminds us of the present extremity in her life. For you see, not only was her companion dead, but her provider as well. And the death of her husband no doubt left her without a source of income. And it created financial hardships in the life of this woman. Her financial state was destitute. You might say that her cupboard was bare. In fact, in the conversation with Elijah, she revealed that all she had was a little handful of meal and a little oil in a cruise. Well, it was hard for everyone in those days. There was a famine in the land. But it could not have got worse for anyone like it did for this particular woman. So here is this woman with a broken heart over the death of her husband. Here is a woman with a burdened heart over the needs in her life. And all of it was somewhat overwhelming to her. In fact, she had got to the point she felt helpless and she felt hopeless. Notice verse 12 of our text again. The Bible said, As the Lord thy God liveth, she said to Elijah, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. She was so overwhelmed with the needs in her life She felt so hopeless, she felt so helpless that she said to Elijah, she said, this is all I've got, I'm going to go in, I'm going to fix it, me and my son's going to eat it, and we're going to wait to die. You see, this was a woman that had lost all hope for life, and she'd lost all will to live. It was a very despairing situation, and a very perplexing situation due to the needs in her life. Now, I am mindful this morning that the needs in life can be perplexing. And you can be very discouraged at times by the things that happen in life. You may be like one fellow that I read about that was sitting in a bar just staring at his drink. And he had sat there for about an hour staring at the drink and finally this big old fellow walked over and picked up his drink and he drunk it down. And when he did, this poor fellow just broke out crying. And the big fellow looked at him and said, he said, Oh, come on, man, I was just joking. He said, I'll buy you another drink. I don't want to see you cry. And the fellow said, no, it's not that. He said, this has been the worst day of my life. He said, I was late to the office and my boss fired me. And when I left the building, I found that my car had been stolen. I got a cab to take me home. And when the cab dropped me off, I realized that I left my briefcase and my wallet and my credit cards in the cab. And then I walked in the house and found a note that my wife was leaving me. And then when I'm thinking about putting an end to my life, you show up and drink my poison. Well, I want to say to you, sometimes we can get discouraged. And sometimes life can be a little overwhelming. Our needs can make us feel helpless. And our needs can make us feel hopeless. To get laid off from your job can be extremely discouraging. And to have bills piling up day after day and no way to pay them can be overwhelming. A physical need in your life can be a devastating experience. Sometimes emotionally we have a hard time coping with what is going on. Our needs can be perplexing. Like this little widow woman, she felt there was nowhere to turn, felt there was no one to help her, and as far as she was concerned, this was the end. We're going to eat this little cake and we're going to die. Our needs can be perplexing. But second of all, I want to remind you today that our needs can be provided. Our needs can be perplexing, yes, and they can be overwhelming in life, but our needs can be provided. Is that not what Paul said in Philippians 4 and verse 19? But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, God can meet your needs. He met the need of this widow woman in 1 Kings 17. Look at the story. Look at how God met her need. For one thing, notice verse 14. You see the message that she embraced. Here's the message to her. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not for God. She got a word from God. She got a promise from God. 
And I want to say to you this morning that every one of us in this room today, we've got a word from God. And we've got a promise from God. It is a word from God that He can meet our need. Whatever that need is, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be marital, whether it be spiritual, my God can and shall supply our need. Here's the word from God. And I want to remind you this morning, are you with me today? God's promises are true. You notice in verse 13 that Elijah said to her, fear not. And I want to say to you today, you do not have to fear taking God at His word. You do not have to fear trusting God to keep His promises. In fact, that's all God wants you to do. He's given us a word. He's given us a promise. And all that God asks of us is to take Him at His word and trust Him. Look at verse 10 and 11 for a moment. Notice this. We read it a moment ago, but look at Elijah's request. Elijah arose in verse 10. What does Zarephath? When he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her, and this is what he said. He said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink it. Verse 11, she was going to grant that request and go get him a drink of water, and he adds to it in verse 11, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. He not only said, Would you get me a drink of water, but also would you get me something to eat? And she answered him in verse 12. She said, I have not a cake. All I have is a handful of meal in a barrel. I have a little oil in the cruise. And what I'm doing is gathering some wood that I might go in and dress that for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Look at verse 13. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and my son. Now, when you read, a lot, read that, you, can't, you begin to wonder, man, you talking about a cold-hearted preacher? You talking about a cold-hearted prophet? Here's it, he walks up and says, get me some water, please. She says, okay, and by the way, would you fix me something neat? And she said, I don't have it, just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. That's all I've got to my name. And you would have thought that Elijah would have said to her, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that things were so bad. That, that's okay. Thank you for your consideration. I'll find somebody else that can help me. But no, what does Elijah do? In verse 13, he says, go and bake me a cake first. Go and make me a cake first, and then what's left, and whatever you can take care of your son. I want you to understand something. Elijah was not being insensitive. Elijah was not being thoughtless to this woman in her situation. But what he was doing in essence was saying to this woman, trust God. Trust God. Take God at his word. Had not God sent Elijah to Zarephath? And had not he said to Elijah that I am going to have a little widow woman there to sustain thee? Verse 9, notice carefully. He said, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. But in verse 10, he said, Behold, the widow woman. And that definite article there indicates that this is the woman. You see, Elijah had said to her, I'm going to send, or God had said to Elijah, I'm going to send you down to Zarephath. There's going to be a little widow to take care of you. And when Elijah got to the gate, the Spirit of God said, That is the woman right there. That is the woman. That is the woman that I have chosen and ordained to supply your need. Now, Elijah, he knew that God had already said, I'm going to meet your need. And he knew that that was the woman to whom he was going to, which he was going to use to meet his need. So Elijah knew if I've got a need and God's going to meet that need, that is the woman that God is going to use to meet that need. If she can't meet that need, then God's going to meet her need in order to meet my need. And so what he was saying to her was not being insensitive, not being thoughtless, but was saying to her, trust God. Here's the word that come from God. Here's the promise. Take God at His word. I want to say to you this morning, verse 15 said that she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. That's all that God wants you to do. Here's His word to you this morning. Listen to me all across this building. You've got a word from God. I don't know your need. I don't know what your situations are in life, but I do know this. God shall supply your need according to His riches and glory. God can meet your need regardless of that need. All you got to do is take him his word. That was a message she embraced. But look in verse 15, 16, 15 and 16, the miracle she experienced. I love this. Verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. 
And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. This widow woman took God at his word. She obeyed the word of God. She took God's promises at face value and believed them. And the result was God met her need. Whenever she went back there and took flour of the barrel, when she took it out, God replenished it. Whenever she poured oil out of the cruise, God replenished it. And that went on day after day after day after day. God met her need. Now, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that God is as much God today as he was in the widow's day. And God can meet your need today just like he did the widow's need in 1 Kings 17. And I want you to understand he's just as interested in meeting your need as he was in meeting the widow's need. God's word is just as true today as it was then, and God can supply your need today just like he did then. My God, that's the word, shall supply your need according to his riches and glory. Take him at his word. He can, and he will meet your need. I could spend the rest of this service telling you how God has met needs in my life through the years. And you've heard many of them. But I thought of one particular incident this week I hadn't thought of in a long time. It's been several years ago. Had a particular need in my life. I was not pastoring here at the time. Was, was at Lepton Drive at the time. I had a particular need I'd been praying about. And to be, real, to be right honest with you, I was just a little bit depressed about the matter. I had been taking the thing before God, laying the thing before God, but God had not met the need. And again, I was just a little bit discouraged about it. But I went to hear Manly Beasley. He was at Woodland Park Baptist Church. And I went over to hear Manly Beasley. I always enjoyed and loved Manly Beasley. So I went over to hear Manly Beasley. Service had already started. I slipped in a little bit late. The choir was singing. I sat down on the back row. I listened to the music, listened to Brother Manly preach that night. as was about a year before he went on to be at the Lord. And then as they were making the closing announcements, whatever, I slipped out of the back door and it was going through the parking lot to get in my car. Well, as I was walking through the parking lot, someone hollered at me. And I stopped, turned around, and I did not recognize the man. As far as I know, I'd never seen the man before. But he said, are you Ken Trivet? I said, yes, I am. At that time, I'd been on the radio for several years. I think it was on the radio daily for about 13 and a half, almost 14 years. And he said, are you Ken Trivet? I said, yes, I am. He said, I've never met you before, but he said, I listen to you every day on the radio. I said, I appreciate that. He said, I thought that was you. I told my wife, I think that's Ken's rivet. And he said, I just wanted to come out and tell you what a blessing your radio ministry had been to me and how many times God had ministered to my heart. And I thanked him for it. And he shook my hand. And when he did, I felt something in the palm of my hand. Well, I didn't look at it. I put it in my pocket. I wasn't going to look at it right in front of him, but I got in the car and I pulled it out, and I said to myself, glory be to God. What am I saying? God can meet your need. Are you listening to me? My God shall supply your need according to his riches in glory. God's able to touch your barrel today. And God's able to touch your cruise today. If you will take God at his word and believe his promise, God can meet your need. Again, you don't have to be a preacher for God to fulfill his word to you. It's to you, to me, to every believer. And he can meet our needs. Do you believe that this morning? Say amen. But let me point out a third thing in the story. Not only are our needs perplexing, they can be overwhelming. And not only can our needs be provided, but thirdly, our needs can be providential. Now, what do you mean our needs are providential? What do you mean that our needs can be providential? What I mean by that simply is this, that our needs, the needs in our life may exist because God either allowed them, appointed them, or arranged them. It may be the reason you have a need. Now listen to me. God can meet your need. He promised that he would meet your need. He illustrated in the word of God that he can meet your need. But it may be the very fact that you have a need is because God wanted you to have a need. And it may be the reason God wanted you to have a need was because there were certain things he wanted to develop in your life. For one thing, he may have wanted to develop an experiential knowledge of God. Look in verse 12 again. 
And she said, now this is the woman. Notice what she said. Don't miss this statement. As the Lord thy God liveth. Elijah says, fix me something. And she says to Elijah, I know that your God is alive. She said, your God is a living God. Now she said that, but she didn't act like it. In verse 12, she begins by saying, God is alive. But then she says at the very end of verse 12, I'm going to go home and die. She declared that God was alive, but she really didn't believe that God was alive. She believed it theoretically, but she did not believe it experientially. Are you listening to me today? God wants to turn facts into forces in our life. And God wants to turn truths into testimonies in our life. And it may be that the need that exists in your life exists so that God may prove to you that he's ever bit the God that he's declared himself to be and that he might prove to you that his word is absolutely true. It may be the reason you have a need to start with is that God wants you to really know that he can meet your need. I think about Andre Crouch's song that came out never, several years ago entitled Through It All. And I think about those words, if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? Well, one way I know is his word tells me. But you know how you can learn where the, the, what is theoretical becomes experiential in your life? is that God get, puts a need in your life that he brings you to. You have no other choice but to trust him, and he wants you to trust him so he can show you that he is God and that he can meet needs in your life. And it may be that your need is providential. God put it in your life. God arranged it in your life. He appointed it for you so that he could bring you to an awareness that he is God. A.W. Pink said, man's extremity is God's opportunity. Here's one thing I believe. God is in total control of our lives. Now, I'm not Calvinist to the extent somebody rolls down like the fellow that fell down seven steps and got up and dusted himself off and said, thank God that's over with. No, 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 I'm not in that category. But I do believe this. God is in control of our life. And there is nothing that comes in our life that has not either been allowed by God, appointed by God, or arranged by God. Nothing. And if there is a need in our life, is it not reasonable then to assume that God allowed that need or appointed that need or arranged that need? I think about a little book I read a number of years ago by Thomas Eliff entitled Praying for Others. And he writes in the book, he said, the fact that God is sovereign means that some words are not a part of his vocabulary. God never says, oops, or I didn't know that, or that one sure slipped upon me. No, he says, to believe in a sovereign God, you must agree that every circumstance of your life is known by God before it occurs, and for whatever reason, he does not alter its course. I agree. God knows everything before it ever happens in my life, that it's going to happen. He knows what will happen and when it will happen. And therefore, since he knows, then he either appointed that for my life or allowed that in my life. And so God takes that which is theoretical. It's easy for us to get up in the service and say, He's alive! And really say that. But then when the bottom falls out, we say, Oh, no, what am I going to do? We can jump up and shout on Sunday and say, Yes, he can meet our needs. But then when we have a need, we say, I don't know where I'm going to turn. I don't know what I'm going to do. You what it is? God sometimes brings a need in your life so that you'll really know that he is alive. Sometimes it has a providential developing work in our life. Sometimes it is to develop, second of all, an educational testimony for God. What do I mean an educational testimony for God? I mean exactly what I'm talking about this morning. It may be that God brings a need into your life not only to prove to you that he is God and that he can meet your needs, but he may bring a need into your life so that he can establish in you a testimony that others can know that God can meet their needs. Again, that's exactly what we're doing this morning. What are we doing? We're, we're sitting here, standing here talking about a woman that God met her needs. And here we are thousands of years later drawing lessons from how God met needs in her life. 
The testimony of God's work in her life and the testimony of God meeting needs in her life stands as a testimony throughout the ages. And here we are, thousands of years later, learning from her. God may be doing something in your life and wanting to prove himself to you that he might prove himself to others. Your problem, your need may be appointed by God because God wants to educate others. He wants to use you to let others know he's God and that he can meet your needs. Again, may I quote Thomas Eliff. In his little book, Praying for Others, there's one chapter there. He talks about problems. And listen to what he had to say about problems. Listen to this. He says, actually, we should welcome difficulties. Welcome difficulties. <laughs> and attach to them the following definitions. And he gave three of them. Let me give you the first one. My problem is actually a platform upon which God can prove to the world how powerfully he provides for his people. <laughs> Some of you sitting there like, who down in the tree just looking at me? I want you to know, listen to me, your needs can be supplied. And, but sometimes you have a need because God wanted you to have a need. And this woman here, she said God lived. But I'll promise you one thing, when this miracle was over with, she knew that God was alive. And throughout the ages, she's been testifying, he's alive. I can imagine every morning when she went back there in that meal barrel, I can see flour all over the ceiling as she come out shouting, He's alive! He's alive! And every time she pulled oil out of that cruise there, she shouted again, The Lord God, He is alive! She knew that. And God did something in her that taught her that He was God. And God did something through her that teaches us that He is God. And your problem may be the very platform upon which God is using to teach others. One of the most stirring places I've ever been and about through is the Mueller homes in Bristol, England. We often pronounce it Mueller, German. It literally, it's, it's actually said Mueller. And one of the, the Mueller homes were the most, one of the most stirring places that I've ever been to. And I had been there once before, but I did not have time to go over and find the homes. And so when me and Brother Tom were there on one occasion, a couple other fellas... We were going, I, were taking, I was taking Tom to Wells, to the Mariah Chapel, where the Welsh Revival broke out, and we shot through there. And I got the phone book. I said, I want to see if there's anything of the Mueller homes here. So I found a Mueller Foundation. I called them. I said, is this the Mueller Foundation linked to George Mueller and the Mueller Orphanage? And they said, yes, it is. They gave me direction. I went over there. They got a museum, some of the buildings that are there. And inside are all these things of Mueller and different things like that. The homes that he built, he built a home and at one time was taking care of more than 2,000 orphans. Those buildings are now, uh, they belong to the Bristol College and uh, whatever there. But uh, we drove over, they give us directions where the home was, where his house was and the museum is now and, and about a mile away was the homes, the orphanages that he built. We drove over there and went through the Bristol College and saw those buildings. They're old, and there's talk about tearing them down, but you could, even the day could tell that when he built those buildings, they were in the cutting edge of architecture. They were beautiful buildings, even to this day. Old, yes, but beautiful buildings, magnificent buildings, and they stretched for block upon block upon block upon block. And the an amazing thing about it, and they were overwhelming when I realized that Mueller built every one of them, and he built every one of them on these principles. He never told anybody he had a need in his life. He never took up an offering for his home. He never sent out a letter to say, this is our needs. He never told anybody. He, he traveled literally around the world speaking, but he never once mentioned his, uh, the needs of his home. He talked about his children, but he never told anybody what his needs were. He never told his staff what his needs were. They informed him, we have this. He never let any others know about it. Mueller developed the principles or established the principles in the very beginning that he would never tell anybody his needs. He would never receive an offering, that he would always pray the money in. And those buildings there, they overwhelmed me when I saw what he had built based upon the fact that he prayed every penny of it in and nobody knew what he was doing and how much he needed, but he prayed every bit of it in. You know why Mueller did that? He did that because he said, in the early beginning, he said, I became alarmed at the fact that I lived in a generation that no longer really believed that God was God. 
And he said, I wanted to, God to establish a testimony to prove to everybody in my generation that God answers prayer and that he's much God as he's ever been. And throughout the ages and through these years, that still stands as a test. What am I saying is that God can meet your needs. And your needs may be, the fact that God has put them in your life is because he wants to teach you things about yourself. Whatever the reason, there is one thing that is certain, God can meet your need. And if you'll listen, this little woman will tell you, my God can meet your need. Let's stand our feet, please.